Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. How he goes to his father and he asks his father, I want all of my inheritance now so that I can go and I can live my life the way that I want to live my life, the way that I want to be. I don't want you lording over me any longer. I don't want you overseeing me. I don't want to be under your control. I want to live my life the way I want to live my life, and I want it now. And he takes his money and he squanders it on partying and wild living And he's in such a desperate state when he spent all that his father had worked so hard to bestow upon him. And he spent it all that he's miring in the mud with pigs, wishing that he could eat the scraps, the leftovers that were being fed to the pigs. That's how desperate he was. But in the midst of that valley, in the lowest of lows that he had ever been, the scripture says that when he came to himself, when he remembered that life didn't have to be that way, When he remembered that in the presence of his father, life was much sweeter, he says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to say, Father, I'm repenting. I I have sinned against you and before God, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just make me a slave in your house. He remembered what it was like. My friends, do you remember what it was like when you first came to Christ? When you first realize everything that you had ever done had been forgiven because Jesus went to hang on a cross in your place. That's why communion is so important, isn't it? The scripture says that we're to partake of the cracker, the bread, and the cup, the wine, because we should do so in remembrance of God, remembering what he had done. To pause and to say, I'm partaking of this little bit of bread in this little cup because I'm remembering the sacrifice of the cross because that's what my sin caused. In Luke chapter 7, there's an amazing story of a woman who comes in with an alabaster flask of oil and she pours it out on the feet of Jesus and she's weeping and she's wiping his feet with her hair and she's broken over her sin and all of the religious people in the room are judging Jesus thinking, how could this guy allow this woman to touch him? Does he know what kind of woman that is? Jesus tells a story, a parable. It says there are two men. One owed his master 500 days wages. The other owed his master 50 days wages. When the master forgave them both because they couldn't pay it, who do you think loved the master more? And all of the religious people said, well, I suppose it was the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, exactly. Exactly. The one who was forgiven more loves more. And so he looks at the woman and he says, you see this woman? She has a lot of sin. She does. I'm not denying that. But because she knows she's been forgiven, because she's been forgiven much, she loves much. My friends, sometimes in the church, we stop loving Jesus, giving him the devotion that he deserves because we somehow think that 
God got the better end of the deal when he saved us. And we forget the place that we came from, that pit, that muddy pin filled with pigs where we had no hope and Jesus came and he died on a cross to set us free. We forget that that's who we were and we start thinking that we're this person that deserves it. We stop remembering how beautiful that forgiveness felt when we were washed clean. Jesus says, I want you to remember from where you've fallen. Remember what it was like. Remember who you were. Remember what I did. Because when you remember, your heart will follow. Your heart will follow. He says, remember from where you have fallen, verse 5, and repent and do the first works. The word repent means to turn and to go in the opposite direction. And today, the word repentance is like a dirty word. Jesus began preaching when he came to this earth by saying, repent because the kingdom is at hand. John the Baptist began preaching saying, repent because the kingdom is at hand. The message has not changed, but today in today's culture, people are offended if they hear that they need to repent. The word means to turn away from the world and to turn to Christ. You cannot be saved unless you've repented. Turn from the old way and turn to Jesus. It's impossible. So if we want this world to change, if we want this world to be one with the love of Christ, we have to preach repentance. Jesus says to this church, remember and then repent. Turn away from that. You don't have to keep going in that direction. You don't have to keep going down that trail. You can turn back. I love this verse in Acts chapter three. It says this, it says that if you will repent, and be converted, your sins will be blotted out, and times of refreshing will come in the presence of the Lord. How many of you feel like you need refreshing this morning? The scripture's very, very simple. It says if you need to feel refreshed this morning, begin with repentance. Turn from your sin. Turn from walking in the wrong direction, and turn back to the Lord. Now he says this, he says, remember, then he says, repent, and then he says, go and do the first works. Go repeat the works that you were doing when you lost that passion. And this morning, if you feel like you're a little dull in your love for the Lord, if you feel like maybe you've been beaten up or you've been torn down, you need to stop, remember, repent, and then you need to go back to where you lost that passion and start doing those things all over again. If in that moment you were reading the scripture every morning, then start reading the scripture every morning. If you were praying a certain amount of time, then start praying a certain amount of time. If you were involved in a certain ministry, then start working in that ministry again. Go back to where you lost that passion and restart that passion. Rekindle that flame and start doing those things all over again. Now, check this out, verse five. It says, if you don't do this, I'll come quickly, or the word means suddenly, and I'll remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you also have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which thing I also hate. The Nicolaitans were those who taught that because Jesus had come and he'd forgiven sin and we have liberty in Christ, that because of that liberty, you could live your life however you want to live your life. You're going to be forgiven anyway. And so they led the people astray, teaching them, if it feels good, just do it. Jesus forgives it anyway. Many people believe that they followed after a man named Nicholas, who you can read about in Acts chapter 6, who was chosen as one of the deacons to tend to the tables, and that Nicholas became an apostate. He walked away from truth, and he led a bunch of people with him. 
Now, secondly, that word Nicolaitans, it comes from two words. Nico meaning to conquer, Nike. Nico, to conquer. And the second, laity, which means people. It literally means to conquer the people. And so many commentators also believe that Jesus is talking about those who are lording their authority over the people. That these are pastors who really don't have a pastor's heart any longer. They're just lording their authority over the people. So Jesus says, I've noticed that you're not following after these these people that are lording their positions over you, that are teaching you to do whatever feels good because there's forgiveness. I see that you haven't followed after that, and I commend it. Now, the next thing he's going to do is he's going to give a motivation to endure. And so this motivation, the motivation that the church of Ephesus receives is that if they remain faithful, they're going to eat from the tree of life in paradise. Look at this, verse 7. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, the word again, it's from the word Nike, which means to have victory, to be victorious. He who is victorious, I will give him to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. You're going to be given to eat from the tree of life. Back in Genesis chapter 3, when man fell and they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, That moment they ate from that tree, mankind was in a fallen state. And if mankind at that point had eaten from the tree of life, they would have been doomed to live forever in that fallen state. And so God, in order to protect man, cast man from the Garden of Eden so that we couldn't eat of the tree of life because we were fallen We were in a wretched, sinful state. But now what Jesus is saying, he's saying, if you are victorious, if you overcome, I'm going to let you eat from that tree because you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Because though you were kicked out of the garden where my presence was, again, now I'm in the midst of you once again. And I'm in the midst of you, and I'm the life giver, and so you'll be permitted to eat from the tree of life. Scripture says in John 10.10, That the thief, the enemy, Satan, comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But that Jesus comes to give life, and that life more abundantly. Fullness of life is what Jesus offers. Do you want that fullness from him? He says, you'll eat of that in the paradise of God. So we see this letter written to the local church. Now, historically, what this church represents is the apostolic church of the first century, From the moment the church was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 and was anointed with the Holy Spirit and fire came upon them and they began to prophesy in different tongues from that moment to about the year 100 AD. It represents this period of church history where the church, it was on fire in the beginning. They had seen what Jesus had done. They were excited about the work of the gospel and they slowly forgot why they were doing what they were doing. Remember the word Ephesus, what does it mean? Someone remember? Desirable. This period of church history represents the birth of the bride. When the bride first came into being, when the Holy Spirit first fell on that church. And so this is what we see historically. This church represents that apostolic church, the church that the apostles first founded. But personally, the personal application that we can take away from this letter is that busyness is never a substitute for our devotion. Jesus would rather have our devotion any day than all of our works and programs and sweat 
and blood and tears. He would rather have our devotion. He would rather us be in his presence. He would rather us sit at his feet. It's like the story of Mary and Martha. There were two sisters and Jesus came to their home to eat. And Martha was so busy preparing the meal and setting the dishes out just right, preparing the table. And she was frustrated because all Mary would do would sit at Jesus' feet as he taught the word. And so Martha comes to Jesus and says, why don't you tell her to come and help me? I'm frustrated. I have no help. And all I'm doing is serving and serving and serving. And I need a little help. And Jesus looks Martha in the eye and he says, Martha, Martha. The one thing that is needed, Mary hasn't forsaken, and that's to sit in my presence and to soak me in. More than your works, more than your service, more than your ministering, more than your busyness, Jesus desires you, your heart, your devotion. The greatest command Jesus had said was that you should love the Lord your God with all of your heart soul, mind, and strength. You realize that strength, works, ministry, that's at the end, and it begins with your heart. He says to the church of Ephesus, you've left that first love. You need to come back to it. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, you can speak in tongues all you want, but if you don't have love, it's just a bunch of noise. You can go out and you can, you can minister to all kinds of people and you can have all kinds of revelation from God and you can understand all kinds of prophecy, but if you don't have love, it is worthless. You become as a sounding brass or clanging cymbal. It's just noise if you don't have love. If God doesn't have your heart, it is worthless. My friends, if you hear nothing else, amen. Amen. If you hear nothing else from the church of Ephesus, hear this. Is that Jesus loves you enough that you in his presence is more important than any of the ministry or serving or busyness that you could ever do. He loves you and desires you that much. So if you have a choice between ministering and serving and being devoted, you make sure that you're devoted to the Lord. Let's look at the next letter, letter to Smyrna, verse 8. To the angel of the church of Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last, who was dead, who came to life. I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and that you will have tribulation for 10 days. But be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. And so let's follow our same outline here. Again, to the local church of Smyrna, which actually existed, was an actual church. Jesus says to this church of Smyrna, which literally means bitter. The word means bitter. The root word is the root that we have our word myrrh from. Myrrh is the spice that was offered to Jesus when he was on the cross mixed with a little wine. 
It was to deaden the pain. And Jesus rejected that on the cross saying, no, I need the full brunt of the force of the cross upon me. I have to pay for all of the sin. And so because I have to pay for all of the sin, I'm going to have to suffer. Myrrh is the spice that the three wise men brought. Remember, they brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, and myrrh for a prophet who would be slain. It was a spice that they would grind up, which would release this incredible fragrant aroma. And so as the myrrh was ground to a powder, it would release this aroma that was sweet-smelling. And it was used as a, as a spice to anoint the body of one who was being buried. And so this is important, and we're going to come back to that definition in just a little while. So the word means bitter, but it's the root word for myrrh. He says, to the church in Smyrna write, these things says the first and the last, who was dead and who came to life. And so the revelation that Jesus has for the church in Smyrna is that first off, he is God. He is the first and he is the last. Before creation and when creation is gone, he is still there. He is the I am. He is the great I am. He is God. And secondly, that he is victorious. He who was dead and now has come to life. Now, this is the hope for all of us as believers. That Christ is victorious. That the sin that we brought into this world with our choice... The sins that we commit every single day, the scripture's clear that the wages, what we deserve for that sin is death. Is death. But Jesus came and he died in our place and he rose from the dead claiming victory not only over death but over sin. Amen. And so this is very important because this church Smyrna is a church that is suffering. They're suffering under intense persecution. This city was being destroyed. The church in this city was being destroyed. And Jesus, in this revelation of himself to them, he says, don't worry, I'm God. I'm on the throne, and I have already gained victory for you, so you don't need to worry. What does the scripture say? It says that in John 16, in this world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. I have already gained the victory you don't have to worry about any of those things, right? So we see this revelation, but let's move to the commendation. Do you see there what he says, how he can commends them? He says, I know your works, your tribulation. The word literally means to be crushed under a great weight. This is different from the labors. This isn't toil that they're doing. This is a crushing that they're feeling. Just like the myrrh is crushed into a powder so that it becomes that spice that anoints the body, they're being crushed, quite literally, under the hand of persecution of Rome and the Jews. So he says, I see that you're being persecuted that way. I see that you're being crushed. But look at this. I see that you're impoverished, but you're rich. Even in the midst of of that persecution, Smyrna is seen as rich. You are rich in the midst of your persecution, he says. The word poverty literally means to be destitute. There are two words in the Greek for poverty. One means to not have fancy things. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about being destitute and desperate. They had nothing. And you have to understand this. Read on. It says that you're rich, and you, I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but they're of the synagogue of Satan. What was happening to this church in that day is that the Jews were drumming up 
all different kinds of accusations and rumors about the Christians because they were trying to get the persecution off of themselves and onto another group of people. They were tired of being persecuted by Rome. So what they did instead is they said, don't persecute us. Look at the Christians. They worship in these things called agape feasts. That has to be orgies. Go persecute them. They're cannibals. They celebrate by drinking blood and eating body. Speaking of communion, they're treasonous. They will not burn incense and bow to Caesar. Go persecute them. And so the Jews of the synagogue of Satan, they're shining a light on the believers, saying those are the ones. Attack them. Attack them. Go after them. But Jesus says this. He says, and I love how he comforts them in the midst of this. Do not fear, verse 10, any of those things which you're about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. You'll have tribulation 10 days. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Again, I want this to sink in. You can write these verses down if you want. They won't be on your screen. 2 Timothy 1.7, the scripture says, The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a mind that is sound. 1 John 4.18 says that there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear and he who lives in fear has not been made perfect in love. Amen. Proverbs 29.25 says that the fear of man is a snare but those who trust in the Lord are safe. If you're living your life in fear this morning and maybe you're even having to medicate yourself because of it, that's not of the Lord. That's not of the Lord. That's not the way God wants you to live. You don't have to live that way any longer. Listen, in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of them worrying that at the next moment the door could be pounded upon and they would come in, the Romans would come into the believers' homes and they would take all of their worldly possessions, take them and haul them off, and they would be left completely impoverished and destitute. In the midst of that, in the midst of that kind of fear, or that kind of cloud hanging over their heads, Jesus would say to that church, don't be afraid. And my friends, it's coming to us. Persecution is coming. It's only a matter of time. Look at what happened, Pastor pointed it out in Oregon. Are you a Christian? Yes. And they're shot. The Lord is purifying his bride. He's looking for a pure bride. And that's what this church in Smyrna was. They were pure. They were so, they were so persecuted that if you were actually claimed to be a Christian in the city of Smyrna, you were beyond a shadow of a doubt saved. Because you wouldn't claim it at the risk of losing all of your livelihood, at the risk of being beaten, at the risk of being thrown out of your home and your home being confiscated. This church was a pure church. And so notice where all of the other churches or most of the other churches, they have a form of correction. Smyrna has no correction because all that Jesus has for Smyrna is grace and mercy because they're going through enough. And there's somehow, some way God uses persecution to purify his bride. And so there wasn't anything that he had to point out. He says, just continue to be faithful. Just continue to be faithful. And you'll feel remember when we went through 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 says this about our trials. It says, in this you greatly rejoice, though if even for a little while 
If need be, you've been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold which perishes, may be tested by fire. That it purifies your faith, that it burns away the impurities and the dross, so that what is left is pure and good and true and holy. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.